Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week we have, first off, your predictions for European tech in 2016. I think you've definitely said some very bold things about what we'll expect to see next year. We have an announcement from Cisco, who invested $51 million into two French VC funds, ID Invest and Partech. We have American singer Aloe Black, who's invested in a European startup, so you guys can stay tuned to find out which one. And we'll discuss a few moments that marked European tech in 2015 before announcing, we're actually announcing the plan to pick tech.eu person of the year. So we'll start off with Neil's four predictions for European tech in 2016. I have to say, I always shy away from predictions because I would hate if someone came to me at the end of the year and said you were wrong. But I have to say that I definitely agree with at least three of your predictions. So first, I think you started off with essentially what everyone is obsessed with these days, the number of unicorns. And you talk about how the number of European unicorns will grow next year. And I also love that you use the term unicorn in waiting for a certain Swedish startup that you expect to become a unicorn next year. Yeah. So this was a bit of an odd one because actually I wasn't going to include this because I assumed that this was just generally accepted, right? Like, of course, we'll see more unicorns next year than we would right now. But then I saw on CB Insights around Twitter poll, and actually just over half of the people believe that there would be less unicorns next year at this point than there would be at this point this year, which really surprised me. There's nearly 200 people answered, and more than half of them felt that there'll be less. So, you know, people are expecting a market crash. I mean, that, that can only be pretty much the only reason for that, or they're expecting that the fact that these companies are kind of overvalued. Um, but I think in Europe, it's pretty nailed on that we're going to see more. And the re- main reason for that is that 97% of our unicorns right now were founded in 2011 or earlier. So we have a load of these companies it takes about six years to get this billion dollar valuation. So we have a lot of companies in the pipeline that are very, very close to this valuation. So I, I definitely think we'll, we'll see more European unicorns next year than we will now. You mentioned the Swedish unicorn in waiting. Um, that was true cooler. And they've actually had to let some staff go. And then it turned out that SoundCloud let some staff go this week, as well as Home24 as well. So all of a sudden, my rosy prediction is not looking as rosy, but I'm certainly going to stand by it. Yeah, I have to say, I agree with you on that one. And I'm also curious to see if we'll see some new unicorns from different geographies or different countries that we haven't yet seen, because we tend to get, obviously, a lot of them in Western Europe and in the Nordics. But I think um, it'd be interesting to see if we add new countries to the list in 2016. Second, you also talk about the growing interest that we'll see from American investors in European startups. Yeah, I mean, if any of my four predictions were a cop out, I think this is probably the one because I think this is pretty guaranteed. I think there's been a really uh, 2015 has kind of been a watershed year, I believe, in, in terms of American interest in European startups. We've had Sequoia invest in a seed round, Andreessen Horowitz and TransferWise, 
led their Series C. 500 startups are set up all over the place. And we've talked about Union Square Ventures in the last couple of weeks about how 25% of their rounds are based in Europe now. So these funds are very well renowned, not just in Europe, but also in the US. So other funds will look to kind of follow them, I believe, and kind of follow their lead and invest. I mean, but most importantly, Europe is cheaper than the US to invest in. And this is what kind of US investors are kind of now figuring out. So the the kind of median pre-valuation by round is considerably lower than the US. And actually, there's a big opportunity in Europe because it's underserved. Because actually, the US only creates three times more unicorns than Europe does, but they actually raise five times more capital in total. So it's proven that kind of Europe is underserved. And as I've also said on, on the podcast before, Sequoia and Goldman Sachs are kind of very active investors in Europe as well. So I think smaller firms are going to follow these bigger, prestigious firms, and we'll see even more American investment next year. So I think a trend that actually we saw that relates to the American investors was definitely on the growth stage. And I think we started to see quite a bit more early stage interest from American investors this over 2015. And I'd be very interested to see if we tend uh, to kind of gravitate towards later stage or if more and more American investors tend to come in in the early stage in 2016. So I definitely agree with you. Overall, we'll see more interest, but I think it'll be very interesting to see of which stage that these investors look at. Your third prediction obviously regards an increase in IPOs as well. Yeah, this is probably the most controversial one, I guess, because as we discussed last week, it's been kind of odd for the European scene this year. We've had a lot of kind of big announcements and a lot of IPOs this year, really. I mean, at least as many as last year, probably more because actually I was looking at Q4 yesterday and Q4 has seen a fair few. So it's been an okay year, actually, for European tech IPOs. And actually, I think 2016 will perhaps even be a record year, believe it or not. So I think Deezer and HelloFresh, they pulled theirs recently. I think HelloFresh will still go public next year. Maybe Deezer, I'm not so sure. But also Rocket has a hell of a lot of companies lined up just kind of waiting to go public pretty much. I mean, Delivery Hero, Global Fashion Group, West Wing, Home24, they're all really strong IPO possibilities in the first half of the year. And if we see a large group of European tech unicorns, I mean, most of those unicorns going public in a short space of time, that's only going to put momentum and faith back in the market. And if we see that happen in the first half, then I think we'll see the knock-on effect in the second half in 2016 could end up being this big year. I mean, I, I really feel that this is kind of a make or break prediction. This one is either going to be spectacularly correct or spectacularly wrong. I don't think there's going to be any middle ground. I think it will be a really, really, really bad year or a really, really good year. But I'm betting on the good year. I was waiting we were going to mention the, the sandwiches in, uh, in next year's predictions. So I think your last prediction actually was one that I hadn't necessarily thought about. But you mentioned that you think bigger unicorns will buy smaller ones. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of an odd one. I was actually just thinking about where can these unicorns go? You know, where can the exit be for them? That's actually what, what led me to thinking about this. And I thought, I know I'm just saying that I think the, the market will be good next year. But I was thinking, you know, what if there is still a lot of uncertainty in the market? Facebook, Google, Yahoo, etc. They, they've calmed down their kind of big acquisition sprees as well. So, you know, what happens to these unicorns? How can they see the exit? And something that I was thinking about is that these smaller unicorns could start being snapped up by the big ones, especially as we see 
we've talked about this many times as well, this consolidation in certain spaces and about how the one with the most cash is going to win the space and snap up all the competitors. And I, I think these two things kind of tie in together. So I think that we will start seeing, I mean, because European companies are typically on the smaller side of the valuation when it comes to unicorns, I think it will be the European companies that get bought up by the larger American ones. So I think we'll start seeing unicorns buying unicorns, whether that's a good thing for the market or not, I, I'm not so sure. But I think we'll see a couple of examples of this next year. I don't think we'll see many, maybe one or two, but I, I definitely have a feeling we're going to see this. And I really kind of went for it with the crystal ball on on kind of the final sentence. And, and I said, if I had to choose an example of this, I would choose Uber acquiring Delivery Hero. Okay, so I can definitely see what you're saying with this particular example. I think the reason that I hadn't necessarily thought about it is one with such high valuations, that's obviously a very rare acquisition that we'll see. It's not going to be easy to purchase a unicorn. And also, I just feel that we don't see a lot of unicorns in very similar sectors. I do think the example that you're mentioning with food delivery and with Uber, I think obviously that would make sense for them to kind of pair up. But I'm wondering, do a lot of the other unicorns that we have in Europe, do they make very easy matches with other companies? So I think that's probably why I wouldn't have put that on my list, but I definitely think you raise a good point. And I'm sure we'll see it in a few cases, hopefully. But to our audience, let us know if you think Neil is right or wrong. And if you have any other predictions for what will happen in 2016, I initially was going to say that we didn't mention the Samwares, but it turns out we did. So <laughs> Sorry. Samwares are in our predictions no matter what. And the one other thing that we didn't mention is the food delivery bubble. So maybe our listeners have some thoughts about that. Now moving on to the two French VC funds that scored big money from Cisco this week. John Chambers, who is the former CEO and deputy chairman of Cisco, has been apparently very impressed with the French tech scene for a while now. I know that all over the French tech ecosystem, we tend to quote him from what he said earlier at CES last year, essentially kind of praising the, the startups that he's seen over here. I have to admit, I thought it was a simple PR strategy initially, whereby Cisco announced earlier this year it would invest $100 million and then later went on to say $200 million into French startups. But I guess this actually proves that they are taking those actual steps to make it a reality. So the announcement they made was that they have invested $51 million into two of France's top VC funds. These are actually two of the oldest VC funds as well. So that's Partech and ID Invest. And I guess for anyone who doesn't know these funds, they have a ridiculously impressive portfolio, even more impressive when they're combined. So it includes companies like Sigfox, Deezer, Happen, Leachy, which was acquired earlier this year, Made.com in the UK, Dailymotion, which essentially is the French YouTube, and Cantalks. These are just some examples. Cisco, funny, this is kind of like a very interesting play that they have going on because here they're investing in these two funds, but they also are a direct investor in several French startups as well, like Sixwind and Intersec. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. And actually, it's interesting to kind of see them go in this kind of investment angle now, because they've certainly been acquiring European startups for quite some time. And they really stepped it up kind of in the last couple of years. I mean, there was examples last year, I think, 
I want to say free Danish companies, but it may have been free Scandinavian companies that Cisco bought pretty much within the space of a month or two. So they really have been kind of quite aggressive in terms of kind of making their mark on the startup world. Previously, it was kind of through acquiring, but it looks like they're also going into the investment side as well. And I have to say off the top of my head, I can't remember them having as big an imprint on the the kind of the acquisition side this year if any at all so perhaps this is a complete kind of change in strategy for how they engage with the startup scene but i definitely think they're one of the big corporates that kind of have this idea of of how they want to interact with the startup scene and actually they're, they're doing it in a positive way one which benefits them and which benefits the ecosystem as well so yeah fair play to cisco i definitely um think that they have some yeah but it's not just pr they they really do have some skin in the game yeah, and I think it's very interesting to see how heavily they've actually focused on France as well, which is not yeah. always the number one market when you have a foreign corporate coming into Europe. Now turning our attention to singer Aloe Black, uh, who made a recent investment into a European startup. So it's definitely not every day that we see non-tech celebrities investing into European startups. I think we've seen a few investments from people like Ashton Kutcher. I think he made some investments into German startups. I know Uniel also had a chance to hear from a French football star, Thierry Henry, who spoke at TechCrunch Disrupt a few weeks ago. I did. So Alain Vlack recently invested alongside some top European funds and angels into a France-based startup called Giroptic. Um, this company develops what they're calling the first real 360-degree camera. It's a consumer product that I think is appropriately called 360 Cam, selling for just under $500. It's a product that has over six years of R&D that's gone into the making. So definitely a very technically advanced product. It's a Lille-based company, so coming from the north of France, that has actually been turning heads for quite a while. I was actually contacted by some Silicon Valley-based investors I think over a year ago that were hoping to learn more about them. So they've been uh, kind of making a little bit of noise here and there. And they have actually completed also prior to this round of funding a relatively successful Kickstarter campaign, I would say very successful for the French market, raising over 1.45 million in just 45 days. Wow. I mean, coming back to what you said about the celebrity investors and, well, Thierry Henry, actually, this is when I started uh, thinking about it, was actually, I mean, I feel like in, in terms of money, there's not much of a risk, actually, for the celebrities. I mean, when you look at someone like Thierry Henry, for example, uh, the amount of money he's earned through football, I mean, his investment, his part of the investment was pretty much one or two weeks wages. I think from back from when he was playing because he he went in with some other footballers in the investment that that he made so really it's like one week two weeks wages so it's very kind of small risk for them so actually I think it makes a lot of sense for celebrities to to get involved in terms of backing startups financially but Again, because it is just a kind of most of the time it's a pure money thing. I mean, Henri kind of said, oh, I see, uh, you know, the future or tech and the way things are moving. So I understand that this is something we kind of need to we need to get involved in. But other than that, I I feel there is a danger here of just it being money, right? Because we always talk about getting good money or getting the right money rather than just any money. So there is kind of a danger of kind of an influx of kind of celebrities just starting to invest and in it just being money because it's not going to be most of the time, I would assume it's not going to be very smart money. So yeah, there is kind of a danger here, but it's certainly a trend that we're beginning to see. 
So I would actually argue that having a celebrity investor is probably maybe not what we'd call smart money, but I think especially for consumer products definitely makes a lot of space given their visibility and the fact that it's essentially a product endorsement as well. Obviously, potentially um, difficult to get, uh, maybe expensive depending on investment terms. But I think uh, in the case of Ashton Kutcher, for example, on Airbnb, I definitely think there are examples like that that, that definitely have brought a lot of credibility to the product and a lot of visibility. So I would argue that, you know, even if we don't have maybe top level celebrities investing, as long as they have a strong visibility in their home country, I think it definitely can make a difference to to various startups. Yeah, I would agree. I think especially in the fashion space, actually, I met a couple of fashion startups recently, and one co-founder was Alexa Chung. And they said kind of without her on board, it would have been a lot trickier for them to get attention and kind of having that celebrity factor as, you know, as a co-founder really, really, really helped them. And they said in, in the fashion kind of startup industry, at least, that's kind of vital, actually. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense for some of these industries, especially. So now let's turn our attention to a few moments that mark 2015. Earlier in the podcast, we had a chance to discuss Neil's predictions for the future, but we thought we'd also take some time to look back at the big things that happened in Europe this year. We're probably going to do a little bit of repeat topics, so I think it was a big year for the unicorns. Business Insider actually released a list of the 11 new European unicorns, actually missing out on a, a few. But what was really great to see, not just that we have unicorns in Europe, obviously a majority of them are based in Western European countries, but I think it's really great to see that we actually cover quite a lot of ground. I think geographically speaking, we have Klarna in Sweden, Adyen in the Netherlands, Blablacar in France, a handful of companies in the UK and Germany. And I think it's really very promising. And as we mentioned earlier, I think it'd be interesting to see which countries will come next. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think the the bigger the spread, the better as well. And it really kind of demonstrates Europe's potential as, as a, a startup hub as well, as a kind of joint collective that we can have all these companies all over the place. And it, I, I think it definitely speaks volumes for Europe that we can not just create them in one place, but rather in a multitude of places across Europe. However, in saying that, I actually believe that next year, Obviously, I'm predicting we'll see a lot of a lot more European unicorns. I actually think we'll we're gonna. I think it's gonna be pretty boring. I, I think we're gonna see more from the UK and more from Sweden. I, I definitely see those two countries. I mean, we spoke about Truecaller earlier. We have them. We have Izetal. Transferwise in the UK, despite people calling them a unicorn, actually never officially have passed the billion dollar valuation from when they last raised that round. So they also will officially kind of pass that. So I think we'll see a number of these companies and in the Nordics as well. So we have kind of Trustpilot in Denmark, Tradeshift in Denmark. So I I kind of think that we'll see a couple of the same old countries probably dominate, but I'm hopeful that we'll see some pop up elsewhere as well. I think in addition to unicorns, we had a couple of other topics that obviously, as with every year, you have some big rounds of funding. I think this year we saw several very, very large rounds of funding for companies like Deliveroo or Blah Blah Car, Sigfox, obviously tons and tons more. So funding definitely hasn't gone anywhere. One thing that we we saw a bit more towards the end of the year, obviously, was were companies talking more about IPOs. I think previously, Europe had been very interested in acquisition as an exit strategy. And I think we definitely saw a high concentration of companies, at least considering IPOs. We did mention uh, in the previous podcast that there were a few that, that didn't go through. 
And then as far as funds are regarded, I also thought this was a very interesting year in terms of the huge increase in the amount available funds for European startups. But we also saw quite a few experienced VCs from European funds leaving and launching new funds. And ones that I'm thinking of in specific are Mosaic and Felix Capital in London. But I think we definitely have a few examples in a lot of the big European markets that are doing the same thing. Yeah, and they've started to kind of invest now and kind of get their toes in the market as well. So I think we'll only see more of that next year. So these new funds that you mentioned, like Mosaic and and Felix, are are kind of starting to, to kind of get starting to make their first few investments and i think next year we'll see you know we'll see even more from them so all those new funds that kind of popped up especially in the last half of this year are only going to kind of invest more next year yeah so i think just to our listeners obviously these are what neil and i think marked 2015 if you have things to join or add to this please feel free to mention them in the comments now for our last topic this is tech.eu's person of the year Yes. So, well, we've talked to quite a few about a few people on the podcast this year, kind of profiling them at the end. So this is kind of where this idea has, has come from, that we thought we should declare kind of someone as TechEU's person of the year. And I don't believe they have to be someone that we have already covered on the podcast. They can be someone who is just making a, a significant contribution to European tech. And the criteria or how we're going to do it is actually we would like your input as well. So I'm going to have one vote. Roxanne is going to have one vote. And then you, the audience, are going to have one vote. So we'll make a jury of three of people between us. So we want you to leave your suggestions for the European tech person or tech.eu's person of the year in the comment section. And I think just to clarify really what we're looking for, I think it goes beyond just being a killer founder or a killer investor. We're really looking for somebody who has made a huge impact in Europe. And if we're saying Europe, it actually means more than one country. And that sounds easy, but actually, as we started to brainstorm people we could potentially nominate, it's very, very hard. And I think when we're talking about impact as well, we're looking for someone who has not only managed to build you know, one great company, but actually been able to help other European companies or the ecosystem or other funds or other players. So we're really looking for somebody that's had a bit of a broad reach. A person does not have to be European in nationality, but does have to be Europe-based. And uh, as Neil mentioned, it can be someone we've already covered, can be someone we haven't covered yet. But we're really looking for someone that has also gone really above and beyond what the average person or company or investor is doing. So if we have an investor that's made a really significant amount of investments this year uh, or has done, you know, a startup that has really gone above and beyond, you know, what is expected or what other startups normally tend to do, I think we'd love to hear about it. So please leave your suggestions in the comments and we'll be announcing our person of the year in our first podcast in 2016. Yes, as Roxanne says, please do leave us your suggestions in the comment section. They do count towards whoever is going to win this prize and of course leave your feedback for us as well. You can follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for tech.com you can follow us on Twitter at Neil SW Murray and at Roxanne Vaza at tech underscore EU. Obviously, the website is tech.eu as well. So thank you for listening. Happy holidays. And thank you, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.